that tight. Like, I just... It's just not, girl. It's, it's not your not, fault. It's not your fault. Like, you know, I'm not saying, like, women can't drive men to murder, but, like, your pussy has to be tight and you have to be cunning. Like, it, you have to have both. Like, it can't just right. be one. Hello everyone, this is Alex. And this is M. Welcome to the latest episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic. This is a podcast for TV lovers, movie buffs, and binge watchers of all ages. On this podcast, we'll be discussing what we loved, what we hated, and what's just a bit problematic about the TV and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today we'll be discussing the Renaissance-era historical drama, The Borgias. Set in the late 1400s, this period drama follows the Borgia family, led by Cardinal-turned-Pope Rodrigo Borgia, as they fight to maintain their grip on the papacy and, by extension, the Roman Catholic Church. This series delves headfirst into all of the details, both fact and rumor, of this time, as well as exposing the hypocrisy, misdeeds, and bureaucracy of the Borgias and everyone around them. So what exactly made the Borgias so titillating? Stay tuned. everyone. Here are some details about the Borgias. The series is, as we said, a Renaissance-era historical drama created by Neil Jordan. It was released from April 3rd, 2011 through June 16th, 2013. It aired on the Bravo Network in Canada and on Showtime in the U.S. for three seasons and a total of 29 episodes. The series stars Jeremy Irons as Cardinal Rodrigo Borges, who by the end of the first episode becomes Pope Alexander VI. He's our protagonist. Fosquois Arnaud as Cesare Borgia, the Pope's eldest son, and he is a consigliere, uh, kind of like uh, an advisor type of situation. He's a cleric as well. Holiday Granger as Lucrezia Borgia, the Pope's daughter. David Oakes is Juan Borgia, the Pope's second son. He is a gonfalonier, um, which is a standard bearer of the papal armies. Joanne Wally as Venosa Catanoe, or Cataneo. Excuse me, I don't speak Italian, guys. Venosa Cataneo. Uh, she is the Pope's courtesan and the mother of his four children. Lottie Verbeek as uh, Julia Farnese, the Pope's mistress, and later Lucrezia's mentor. Sean Harris as Micheletto Corella, who is Cesare's henchman, a.k.a. assassin extraordinaire. Yes. <laughs> Aidan Alexander as Geoffrey Borgia, the Pope's youngest son. Peter Sullivan as Cardinal Asensio Sforza, 
the vice chancellor. He becomes vice chancellor after making a deal with Rodrigo to become the pope. Uh, Gina McKee as Katarina Sforza, leader of the Forza clan and the Borgia's most dangerous rival. Uh, Ronan Verbert as Giovanni Sforza, Lucrezia's first husband. Edward Akraut as Yves Dallerge, a French captain. Stephen Burkhoff as Girolamo Savonarola. Uh, he's preaching against the Borgias and uh, general church corruption. Simon McBurney as Johannes Bouchard, uh, a Vatican master of ceremonies. Uh, he's also a scholar on canon law. Com Feore as Giuliano della Rovere. He is a cardinal devoted to removing the Pope after losing the election to him. He makes an enemy of the Pope on day one. Bad idea. Uh, Augusto Pru as Alfonso II of Naples, the eldest son of King Ferdinand I of Naples, Naples and the de facto ruler. Uh, Luke Pasqualino as Paolo, uh, Giovanni Sforza's servant and later Lucrezia's lover and father of her son. Uh, Derek Jacoby as Cardinal Orsino Orsini. This is an entirely fictional character, by the way. But he is one of the cardinals who plotted against the Pope. Again, entirely fictional. This person never existed in real life. Ruta Gedmintis as Ursula Bonadeo, later Sister Martha, a noble woman who has a brief affair with Cesare and later joins a convent. Elias Gabel as Prince Sam, also known as Prince Jem. He is a rival to the Ottoman throne who is banished by his half-brother. Um, he becomes a brief love interest of uh, Lucrezia's, although their relationship is never consummated. Emmanuel Curie as Sancha of Aragon. She is an illegitimate child of the King of Naples, and she is offered as a potential wife to Juan, who rejects her. Um, and she becomes the wife of the Pope's youngest son, Geoffrey Borgia, instead, and Juan's mistress. Sebastian de Souza as Alfonso of Aragon. He is the Duke of Besiglie, Prince of Salerno, and Lucrezia's second husband. Cyrone Melville as Cardinal Farnese. He is Julia's brother and later becomes a manager of papal finances. And last but not least, David Bamer as Theo, Venoza's estranged and banished husband and rumored father of one of the Borgia children, possibly Juan. That's a lot of people, but trust me, I haven't even scratched the surface of all the players. These are just all the major players in the Borgias. Three seasons packed with a lot of action, a lot of intrigue, a lot of rumors, a lot of gossip, and a lot of assassinations, you guys. Let's get into it. <laughs> Yeah, let's get into it. So the Borgias premiered on Showtime in 2011, and that's significant because basically it was coming off the heels of the Tudors. So the Tudors ended in 2010, and the Borgias premiered in 2011. So Showtime was like, you know what? Let's keep it going. We're gonna let's get another hit out here with this you know, historical drama thing. This seems to be our vibe. Like, I think this is what we do. And and thus the Borgias uh, was born. It's not even kind of factual. <laughs> there, these, there, these are people who existed, like, in life. But for the most part, the show just sort of, like, 
goes for it in terms of like imagining like the lives of these characters and what they did um and and how it all played out they basically take every sort of rumored thing i think that's been rumored about the family and then just goes with it like as fact which it's not a lot of them have been debunked and disproven but they're like what if they were all what if all the rumors were true though and then and then you know thus a story has been born um and listen it works so i'm not even mad at it it's so intense like even just this first episode the pilot i forgot how intense this pilot was <laughs> there's so much that happens we're right. still dealing with a lot of the same bureaucracies and intrigue and gossip but it looks completely different <laughs> It took me some time to really get into the tutors, but I think what probably makes the Borgias different in terms of the story mechanics is like the Borgias just sort of like is for the reason I just said. The Borgias isn't really caught up in trying to be historically accurate at all. Like they don't really care. They're like, we're here to have fun. We're here to entertain. We're here to talk a lot of trash about some dead white people. Let's go. And um, they don't. They don't, like, the show doesn't not do something because it might be historically accurate. Because, like, the show doesn't really care about being historically accurate. The show cares about being entertaining. And um, that's what it does. That's what it's doing. And that's why it's, that's why, at least off the bat, it's working much better. Uh, I do know that this first season, the first, yeah, the first season was, like, really well received in terms of, like, audience and critics. Uh, not so much the 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 other two, but the first season was, and like, and I get it because it's like back to back to back, like twists and turns, and it does feel like holy shit, like what's about to happen next? Right, right, right. I mean, it doesn't hurt that they cast Jeremy Irons as our protagonist because powerhouse of an actor, powerhouse um, Uncle Star the is shows- back. <laughs> <laughs> Historical dramas are are an odd sort of thing because you want to, um, cause when you play sort of like too much with it, it's erasure, right? Which is what we saw like in Mad Men. There's, mm-hmm. there's just like a lot of straight, like straight up erasure. And the only reason why it was able to be pushed back on is because like people who were alive in the sixties are like still alive. Um, and in, and like there, there is like some prickliness about it, but when it comes to, at least in my opinion, when it comes to, um, white people who have been dead for like 500 years and like though, and for the most part, these are histories like that, uh, people are, have you know that these are histories that people are already like sort of precious about that like as a culture we're geared to care about uh quote unquote more like than other histories um i don't think that there's a real duty to be historically accurate i don't think it matters like it's fine like you can go out there and you can read a book like if you want to know what actually happened um at the most so like these so stuff like this I think really should just be about being entertaining and being like and having a story or like finding a a perspective or like however you come to these people's story like 
you know, maybe you, you, there's something that you, you, the creator connected with in a certain thing. And then like, you just sort of run with it. I think that's, I don't, I'm not really here to, to advocate like, oh, you must be historically act like completely and utterly historically accurate when talking about like white people who've been dead for like 500 years, like who, no one cares. Um, now stuff like Mad Men, I'm definitely like a bit more precious on. Uh, and then, or if this had been about like, you know, the Moors, um, which we sort of kind of get into like in the first season, like in an adjacent type of way, or had this been about like African histories or indigenous peoples, I would be like way more precious about it because those are histories that like no one that people are still just now studying and trying to put together and nobody really knows. And I would definitely be more precious about those types of things, but, but this is sort of just like, whatever, do whatever, have fun. Right. White history is incredibly well documented. And if, and any time that if that any portion of white history fails to be well documented, it's white people's fault solely. Like we didn't come into their countries or their continents raid their library, steal their information. Like, that never happened. So we're here to have... We're, we're here to have fun. We're here to have fun, so let's have fun, honey. Season so, one is nine episodes. It all starts with, like, the, the current Pope is, like, on, like, their... Like, on his deathbed. And he is uh, about to check out. And Uncle Scar, a.k.a. Papa Borgia is like, it's my time. This is it. This is what I've worked my whole life for. <laughs> right, right. And for those of you who are too young to understand this reference, Alex keeps saying that because Jeremy Irons was the voice of Scar in The Lion King. Um, it makes me feel old that I have to say that, but that I realize there are people in their early 20s who were born long after The Lion King was released, and that makes me oh, sad. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 but just to clarify, like th- there's 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 a deep meaning to what she's saying because that's what he, he is in our heart. But yeah, the Pope, current Pope, is Pope Innocent the Eighth, and all the cardinals are on his, are, are surrounding his deathbed, praying for him, aka praying for his death, <laughs> um, and and basically chatting up like, dang, who do you think is going to be the next Pope? But Cardinal Rodrigo Borgia is hashtag conspiracy goals. <laughs> he really is though <laughs> he knows they're about to be locked up in this room for however long it takes to elect a pope and they actually talk about when this pope was elected and they were um cardoned off to go through the election process for several months okay couldn't leave the room for several months had their food and their water and their wine brought to them couldn't go home couldn't do anything couldn't leave the, the 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 those walls for months so he's like uh-uh, i'm gonna be pope and it's gonna be faster than this <laughs> so <laughs> he starts working he starts networking you know they say like they say that he's being trash and he is making a mockery of the process but i feel like he's just networking <laughs> i feel like listen don't be mad at somebody for having to who can do what you couldn't because like they're all mad at him for quote-unquote buying the papacy it's like but y'all took the money though <laughs> like you know what i mean right 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 and like the rest of you who didn't take the money were also trying to buy off people you just didn't buy off the right people 
And that's a you problem. That's a you problem, sir. Like, I'm sorry you weren't proactive or you you didn't make the right um you didn't make the right alliances. It's like survivor. Sometimes you don't always make the right alliances and you don't realize that till after the fact. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that you weren't out here that you weren't that you weren't out here who had you didn't have like a little assistant that had like carrier doves put notes in people's food like you could have done that shit but you didn't now did you right and he put notes in people's favorite foods okay i'm not just sending you a tray i'm just, I, I i took the time to find out what your favorite meal was and then i wrote this note on parchment with a quill that probably took like another hour, right? Because calligraphy matters. <laughs> and then I had that shit delivered. I had to pay the delivery person too. Right? It's like, it's a lot of people in this process. Right. But he did what he had to do. And um, it sped up really fast. But where we get the, the gist that this was a matter of days, weeks maximum. Uh, Rodrigo Borgia becomes... Um, the new Pope, Pope Alexander VI. And uh, in this interim, we we meet his children and we get to know his relationship with his children, specifically his oldest son, Cesare, who is a clergyman at his father's urging and insistence, but really isn't trying to be at all. Cesare is not trying to do anything, even kind of sort of anything in the church, but like he has definitely been forced to by, by dad. It's good to know that men have been imposing their will on their sons since forever. But it's also interesting to look at these papal families because this was before the reconstruction of the Catholic Church in Vatican II, which happened in the 1500s. So we were living in a time when uh, the vow of celibacy wasn't even enforced for clerics. And as a result, this dude's got like four kids and a bunch of them have other kids as well. And when they are, when he's elected Pope and the master ceremonies comes in, they actually have someone check to see that he has a penis and testicles, um, which is okay. But that's a thing that they did to make sure that he was, he wasn't impotent, um, which I'm not really sure how that matters when you're supposed to be doing God's work, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> But he's got these four kids and we've, we're very much thrown into a time period where, and this was like the, the last great legacy of the church again, before the reformation in Vatican II, where popes had these whole families and a lot of power, uh, like more power than they had today. Um, you know, um, more power than they had even 50 years from this time period. Um, and they're, they, they're almost to the level of kings a pope is yeah they have a lot of say because um which we sort of will will see throughout like the run of the series they basically it's like if you're a king like if you're like king of france or whatever and you want to get married or like you want to divorce your wife like the Pope is the one that's going to make that happen. <laughs> like, um, so. Or rather and, annulled. Cause the or, church or, <laughs> right. Or annulled or, or annulled. Like the Pope is the one that is going to say like, if that's like a yay or nay. Um, and you know, obviously like back then, like marriages are like really important things. They're like, you, you get married for, you know, alliances and, you know, disalliances and armies and, and, 
and money. It's like, it's, it's, it's really transactional. So somebody, so if it's like, if your country is like in a shit ton of debt and, you know, some really wealthy, like no, and some crazy wealthy nobleman is like ready to like marry like your daughter and like, and some nobleman is going to like, let you marry their daughter and therefore like you absorb their assets if the Pope is like, nah, like you can't do it. <laughs> like, well, that's, well, you're in a, a position, you know what I mean? Right, um, right, right. And the Pope's children were also like, they also had that same power of like a King's children, right? Like a Pope's child could be married off for a political alliance. That does happen later on. But like right off bat, when <laughs> Rodrigo becomes Pope Alexander VI, uh, Cardinal Orsino Orsini, again, an entirely made-up person who never existed, <laughs> hires uh, Micheletto, assassin extraordinaire, to poison the Pope, but then uh, Cesare uh, turns the assassin, who then poisons Cardinal Orsini instead. And so he, Micheletto basically from that point onward becomes uh, Cesare's henchman, right? Right. Um, he's like, okay, now you've earned my trust. And obviously you're really, really good at, at your job. So I'm going to keep you close. Because <laughs> I, I know mean, a, lot of, a lot more people want to kill my dad. Micheletto, like, is like Britney Jean Spears in 97. Just unstoppable. 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 The, basically, after this, this, uh, this event, the Pope takes to his new position really, really uh, well. He loves the power. He loves the privilege. He's already talking about, and Cesare too is also talking about how many people would love to marry the Pope's daughter and maybe who he can marry Lucrezia off to. You know, uh, they're talking about the new title they're going to give him when they visit to see his uh, the Vatican to see his coronation or whatever they call it when someone ascends to Pope. All of these things are going down, and he takes a new mistress, Julia. Right, which does not sit, because, like, and you got to understand, like, this is a huge change in the family dynamic, because, like, so you have Papa Pope, and then there's Cesare, who is not the oldest son, but he's the most competent son. Juan is the oldest, I think. Oh, no, Juan is the second son. Oh, okay. Well, never yeah. mind then. So then you have Cesare, who's like the first, his son, and then Juan, and then Lucrezia, who's like the youngest, and the girl, obviously. And they've all been living, up until this point, they've, like, till he becomes Pope, they've all been living together in this palace with their mom, who is like a former... Uh, courtesan because she leveled up shout out to her for having really good instincts <laughs> um <laughs> in fact that becomes important later because the her, their mom was actually married to another man when she still is because marriage yeah. is like divorce is not legal right so she got a whole husband she has a whole the- <laughs> she has a whole husband and then papa pope came along and he was like you like you and me, like we should be a thing. Like, you know, f- you know, fuck these other dudes that you see in. Like, I I hear that, but like you and me should do this, and that's exactly what they did. And they had all these kids. Um, the family right. dynamic is sketch to say the least, but but we'll get there. Um, just know that like, uh, so so then like he becomes pope, right? And at, and like. 
once he becomes Pope, yeah, like everything changes. And he he does. He takes a new mistress in Julia Farnese. And the key difference between Vanessa, which is like their mom, and the woman he's sort of been with for a while now in Julia Farnese is that like Julia's like noble. She's like of noble birth. Whereas like Vanessa is like we said, like she's a former courtesan. And so he's like so he's like, okay, Vanessa, like, you can go now because now that I've got, like, my new pretty noble wife. And Vanessa is, like, she is heartbroken. I feel bad for her, like, initially. I do. I mean, they allude that uh, Vanessa was a woman of means. Like, she had married well. And, like, she's a courtesan because you made her a courtesan, sir. <laughs> she became a courtesan fucking with you back when you were pope. She could have just stayed someone's wife. So he's essentially like punishing her for what he made her, which is makes the whole situation that much more ugly. Uh, Julia is a noble woman, but like low key, high key, he's really fucking with her because she's younger. From here on it's, out, Vanessa. It's really Vanessa, distasteful. It's distasteful because Vanessa takes a lot of disrespect that like is not deserved. From like, it's just not deserved. It's just not deserved. Like. Vanessa, she's been out here. She's been riding for him for so long. And that's why she's also hot. Like, she's like, I've been riding with you for so long. And, like, you, what, now you pope? Now you think you shit because you pope? Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's essentially what he does. He's like, I'm pope now. I need need to level up. Like, this was cute and everything. We have four kids or whatever, but I'm, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I can do better. <laughs> um, that's you're the, right. You're right. There is another. There's another boy, and he's actually the youngest. I forgot about we, him. We yeah. Honestly, like I had to write his name here in the program several times because I also forgot about Geoffrey, but he is their youngest. Their youngest. Um, their youngest yeah. child. So it's like it's yeah. It's like Cesare, Juan, uh, Lucrezia, and Geoffrey. That's the kid order. Um, it's implied later in the series that Venosa might have still been fucking with her husband on the side, and there's their second child, Juan, might actually be her husband's child. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which is deserved, honestly. Like, you don't deserve no loyalty, <laughs> Rodrigo. You don't deserve no loyalty. Um, but let's talk about this disrespect really quickly. So Prince Sam is banished by his half-brother, the Sultan who is afraid of him usurping the throne of the Ottoman Empire. He comes there, and Juan poisons and later smothers him. And at first we think Juan is just being Juan, and you'll know what we mean by that later, because Juan is a problem. He's a problem and a half. He is a problem. (laughs) (laughs) But it turns out the Sultan actually um, uh, basically paid them to be mercenaries and gave the family gold for this, like to kill his half-brother. They use this as Lucrezia's dowry, and then uh, her father marries her off to Giovanni Sforza. Um, but when he marries her, he bans her mother from the wedding, you guys. Oh, my gosh. Disrespect. The disrespect. Like, and it becomes, like, a whole thing. Like, and deservedly. It, like, it's deservedly a whole thing, honestly. So he bans Vanessa and Vanessa, like, is crying. <laughs> Vanessa's like, please, like, she's my only daughter. And he's like, I like, he's like, you're a courtesan. Like, you're a former hoe. Like, I can't have you being seen with me anymore. And I'm just like, who? Like, I, I sir, felt- you're the reason she's a hoe. She was a whole wife before she met you. <laughs> like, and, 
And shout out to Cesare. Shout out to Cesare, who was like the only one with sense. Cesare is like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, tre- like she's not like Cesare really comes through like he like like a real one because because first he tries to convince Rodrigo. He's like, okay, listen, like you're doing a lot. This is a lot. Like she's literally Lucrezia is literally the only girl. You only have sons. You've got to let like mom come to the wedding. Like I get that you're with a new hoe right now and you're like you know, in the happy period, but, like, this is ridiculous, and Rodrigo just, like, basically, and they do this, and he he tries to do this, like, while they're doing, like, the place settings for the reception, and Rodrigo basically, like, ignores him. He's like, no, like, I said no, that's what I said, that's what we're doing, and so Chesar is like, okay, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so, <laughs> and just so we're clear, the new mistress is not the reason why Rodrigo is doing this. This is 100% his brainchild. <laughs> this is just his, yeah, he just thinks this. Like, he he's just thinking this for, like, like you know, like, vanity reasons. So then, um... Cesare brings their mom to, like, the reception. He's like, listen, dad said you couldn't be at the wedding. He didn't say anything about the reception. So this is what we're doing. And I'm not going to hear it because he's being ridiculous. And he brings her, but like, whew, it's a fight. Then it like, then it really blows up. <laughs> like, like, honestly, this is like the most ultimate sign. I know men, like not know personally, but I've known men who like literally beat their wives, not say shit about their wife. But what they're not going to do is interfere in her relationship with her children. Like, you're telling her she cannot go to her own child's wedding. This is the height of disrespect. The The, height of disrespect. And for what? For what? So you can get some clout so people think you're better than you are? People know how this, this, this girl came to be here. They know you didn't, like, spontaneously birth her, Rodrigo. They know she got a whole mom. And that's, and see, that's, and and you just hit the nail on the head. It's like, you're doing it for what? So some people who don't even like you will, will just continue to not like you. Um, on So the, what I love about historical dramas, and I said this when we talked about the tutors and I'm going to say it again, historical dramas in particular do an amazing job of showing consistently how men operate from a place of fear and ego. Like, 90% of their decisions come from a place of fear and ego. Because what sense does this make? It don't make no sense. (laughs) Like, none. None whatsoever. And who does he marry this girl off to? Turns out, a whole rapist. A whole... And, like, their enemy. Like, one of their sworn enemies. Like, so Giovanni Sforza... The Sforza family in general, like, really fucking hates them. Like... They really hate the Borgia, like, as they say, like, the Borgia Pope. Like, everybody says, the Borgia Pope. They hate them. They hate them. They hate them. They hate them. There's literally only one, like, Sforza cousin who's, like, halfway loyal to their family. And it's only because he's a cardinal. And it's only because, like, you know, he's rich on rich on rich on rich. Like, he's bawling out of control. Right. He's the one that became like that. He made the deal with Rodrigo, like make me vice chancellor. And he elected yes. Rodrigo. Yes. But other than that, the entire family hates them. Like they're all plotting to like, like they all, they're all like in always in some sort of plot to figure out how to kill him. Like that's how much they hate him. 
poor little Lucrezia, who was like super sweet and like has never done anything to anybody other than be loyal to her family. She, yeah, he marries her off to a whole rapist. And he is just like, and while he's like, after he rapes her, he's just like, ugh, like, why did you like cry after? Like, it's horrible. It's so horrible. Honestly, like a masterclass in being a bad father, essentially. <laughs> like, I'm going to allow my sons to take a man's life in order to get a dowry for my daughter. You're already starting off on a very bad foundation. God's not going to bless that union, sir. <laughs> then, then, then I'm going to marry her off to a sworn enemy. Not, not an ally, not a best friend, not someone who has just as much to lose as I do if they should mistreat my child. I'm going to, I'm going to try to turn my enemy into my friend and use my daughter as collateral. And oh, oh my God, who could have guessed this would end terribly? Literally everyone but Rodrigo. <laughs> right, right. Because then he starts like, he starts having nightmares about it. And I'm like, sir, it's a little late. Like to feel regret <laughs> talk about it please talk about it <laughs> like, sir. so let's talk very briefly about why rodrigo was so hated besides the corruption which as we mentioned literally all of the cardinals were guilty of are guilty of they're all out here networking backstabbing gossiping wheeling dealing poisoning bribing accepting bribes you name it one of the major reasons why they hate Rodrigo is because Rodrigo is Spanish. And there was at the time, and honestly to their to this day in like Catholic circles, there still is a lot of resentment for non-Italian popes. Right. And they hate him because he's Spanish. And like in it's interesting, like in the pilot, they like allude to why like being Spanish is like such a lame thing. Or like why not being a lame thing, but why being Spanish is such like why they particularly hate that he's Spanish is because um, they say they're like, oh, a Spaniard, a white Moor. So like, (laughs) so basically it is what we had talked about previously. Like they're mad at like the Negro adjacency. (laughs) Oh, hate it. Hate Hate it. it. And I'm like, but you know what? (laughs) Fun fact. You look exactly the same (laughs) as the Italian. You look the same. Ugh, white people are so ridiculous. Okay, so for those who don't know... I know it's the 1400s, but, like, I know y'all got mirrors. I know you have reflective objects. (laughs) So for those who don't know, there's, like, a period where, um, like, southern Spain was completely uh, invaded and controlled um, and ruled over by the Moors, uh, uh, (laughs) like, uh, North Africans for, like, for, like, a really long time, too. Like, 400 years. Like, I think it was, like, 200, 200 to 250 years. So, because of that, like, that's why you always see that sort of, like, in southern Spain. Uh, there are people who, like, from... who There are people who are, like, born in Spain from southern Spain, but they'll look, like, Latinx um, from, like, middle... Like, from... Uh, central or south america because of that um and that's like what they're angry about they're just angry at the negro adjacency (laughs) right or some of them would like look like um arab even yeah which is interesting um but uh cardinal borgia and his family do not look like that on the show and as far as historians um say did not look like that in real life they look like your typical white spaniard spaniard yeah 
your your Penelope um, the Penelope Cruises and and Javier Bardem's of the world. These were whole white people, but you're mad at them for their nationality. Lucrezia's husband is a whole rapist, but there is hope. There is help. There is Paolo. Paolo is her husband's stable boy. And she basically plants the seed in his mind to sabotage her husband's saddle, which he does, which leads to a serious injury. And, you know, she's nursing Giovanni's injury by day and fucking Paolo by night. I know. Good times. She starts starts (laughs) feeling Paolo heavy. She's like, this is it. Like, you know. Wow, you really injured your master for me? That's Mm -hmm. a real one. That's a real one. She likes it. She be feeling it. Um, and we and I'm not mad at her, and I'm not mad at Paolo because this guy is like the worst. Sometimes you get the villain that's like mean to some people, but really nice to other people. But like Giovanni just made makes enemies of anyone that he thinks is beneath him, which is incredibly problematic when your entire household is run by other people. Right? It's like you would think, <laughs> you would think, but mm, no. What I'm not gonna do is disrespect the people handling my horses. Um, attending to my land, cooking and serving my food. food. Because poisoning was very in vogue at the time, okay? Anybody could get got. So eventually she finds out that she's Ego Prego with Paolo's baby. And uh, when that, because, you know, the Pope dispatches Julia Farnese to go check on Lulu. And Julia's like, oh, this isn't working. <laughs> we gotta go. Right, because uh, she realizes, okay, you're pregnant. It's not Giovanni's baby. Let's. That's a wrap. So let's talk about let's talk about this uh, this girl that Cesare like starts to like feel like that he meets her husband at the wedding. Yes, 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 yes. So okay. Cesare meets Ursula. Right, love that name by the way. Not enough people named Ursula. Bring it back. Um, <laughs> he meets Ursula, and she's like. I want to be free because her husband is abusive as hell. And he's right. like, oh, so she must she must want somebody to kill him, which Cesare does because a real one. And a they begin one. a very brief affair. But then she she finds out that he's the one who killed her husband. He's like, and she's like, what? You killed him? I can't be with you. And then she joins a convent. <sighs> I'm just so confused still even now uh like i get it i I, like looking back because i was really trying to pinpoint the source of her problem and i this is what i think this is a complete speculation nothing in the show like hits this point it's just an assumption on my behalf especially when she did what she did and made the extreme move of not just dumping him but becoming a nun I think that the problem is that he was capable of murder and she couldn't be with someone who was capable of murder. That's, that's a good thing. I took it as like, she was just super pious and like, yeah, like she was just like, but she was like, you know, she's religious. She's not so pious that like, she's not going to like throw it back at him, but like also not really, you know, thinking that, she she basically wanted Paolo and she got Cesare. Like, you know what I mean? Essentially. Like, she's like, I mean, if you could have put him out, but like murder? That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> I know. She's like, that's a lot. I was not expecting that. So, and that sort of took her out of it. 
so we realized, like, I mean, I feel anyway that she really did have very strong feelings for Chesare, but she feels guilty that she could drive him to commit murder. I don't think she really understands who she was dealing with. I think she really believes that this is the first time he's killed or conspired to kill anyone and that her pussy drove him to it. So she's like, I have to make amends. I'm going to join the convent. Listen, nobody's I- pussy is that tight. Like, I just... It's just not, girl. It's, it's not your not. fault. It's not your fault. Like, you know, I'm not saying, like, women can't drive men to murder, but, like, your pussy has to be tight and you have to be cunning. Like, it, you have to have both. Like, it can't just right. be one. And she and 90% definitely- of the work is just, like, psychological manipulation, right? You don't even have to be cute if you know how to play mind games, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. You don't even, I mean, the pussy doesn't even have to really enter the equation if you're really that bitch. Like, you can just sort of manipulate till it happens. But she, you know, she felt like it was her fault. And so she was, and she didn't realize that she was like dating a whole sociopath. And, you know, that happens. We've all been there. It happened. I'm sorry. I hate that. Right. Speaking of other people who have lost their entire mind, let's talk about Juan Borgia. So Juan has a lot of inferiority complex. Oh my god. Um, he's the Pope's second son, and he he goes around telling people that he's the Pope's favorite son. Um, the Pope's children are all illegitimate, obviously, because Pope's the Pope's could not marry, although they're respected. Or for for the most part, they're respected as if they are, like, a legitimate issue, like, the product of a husband and wife. Um, But he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of insecurities. And it's because uh, Rodrigo keeps Chesare so close to him and wants his oldest son to follow in his footsteps. Um, Juan gets an, like, they propose that he marry uh, Sancha of Aragon. um, Who is uh, the king, the king of Naples' illegitimate daughter. And he's like, uh, I'm not bearing her. She's a bastard. And it's like, sir, you're a bastard? Right. And, like, we also <laughs> see it when, like, he he beats the shit out of his mom's, like, husband. Mm-hmm. She, like, he... Because, like, you know, and it's it's so, it's so... It speaks to how well-drawn these characters are in terms of, like, how different they are. Because both we see both sons encounter um and encounter Vanessa and like her husband because Vanessa's sort of doing her own shit now that she's shout out to Vanessa you know she's she's doing her own shit she's trying to find herself again she's you know doing the 1500s version of like what's that like self-help book where like old older oh, women eat, pray, like, love. yeah she's doing like her own like 15th century version italian version of eat pray love she's trying and the to get best her part is she didn't have to travel to italy to do it because you're already there <laughs> she's already there <laughs> and so she's ha- so she's reconnecting with this this husband and we first see cesare meet the husband right and the husband's like you know, he's shook when he sees Cesare. But Cesare is like a person with a brain who thinks, right? Although the whole situation is tense and Cesare, like, puts it out there that he has this, like, real air of, like, danger. Like, nothing happens. Juan then also encounters uh, Vanessa and and the husband eating dinner together. Uh, He just then proceeds to beat the shit out of the husband for no reason, completely unprompted like like he just literally sees the man sitting there and he's like oh let me just like 
beat the shit out of you because like why does my mother deserve happiness or or to be like and he goes on and on and on about how like I'm the Pope's son I'm the Pope's son like I'm not the son of a whore even though like you are like well that's the insecurities coming to the surface right because the rumor was that like his mom had been quote unquote a whore for fucking her own husband while she was with with Rodrigo and that Juan is possibly her husband's son. So he's beating this dude because of his own insecurities because he would rather be the Pope's bastard than their legitimate son of Vanessa and her husband, Theo. <laughs> right. And it's like... <laughs> like child, it's, fix child, it. Fix it. And, and, and it's crazy because, like, you know, you're talking about... You, you know, you said... The um, Papa Pope likes to keep uh, Cesare close, but it's like I—I I, I mean, he does and he doesn't, right? Because they, because yeah. he likes that Cesare is like smart and can like sort of like execute his like will and his whims. But there's also like a part of him that like doesn't like what he sees in Cesare because it's so similar to what's in himself. Like he doesn't really like seeing such this dangerous person reflected back at him because right. like, you know, it's sort of that like eternal struggle between like, you know, the the king and the usurper in a sense. But he loves Juan. He gives Juan like chance upon chance upon chance upon chance. Like it's I mean, like Juan said, he's the Pope's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when he beats the the and then like when he when he beats this husband um, he, he gives, like, you know, whereas Cesare might probably, like, whereas Papa Pope might have, like, beat the shit out of Cesare, like, Juan just gets, like, a stern talking to by him. He's like, listen, do you understand, like, what the lengths I've gone to to preserve your mother's reputation? You can't just be out here acting like this. Like, you, this is not how I raised you. I raised you to be a general and to, like, be, um... Uh, and to be my son and like this is not like beha- my behavior and it's like oh my gosh oh my gosh yeah i mean let's be real rodrigo wouldn't have put a hand on cesare because he knows that this is the if all of, of all of his children this is the kid most likely to kill him <laughs> but like he has to keep cesare close to him because this boy really does not want to be a cleric and his father really wants him to be, right? So, like, yeah. he has to keep... He has to, like, uh, keep that thread from breaking. Um, and the ways he keeps uh, Chester Ray close to him are really, really toxic. Because anytime he needs information gathered, he needs somebody got... Um, he needs a spy for something, his son is right there. So how are you using your son in this manner and then trying to, at the same time, convince him to be a man of the cloth? Like Chesare says himself, has everything I have done for you not proven to you that this is not my calling? Right. <laughs> right. Like, because like, a real holy man would not do these things. So yeah, Juan misses out now, mind you, he's never laid eyes on this girl. All he knows is that he, she is King Ferdinand's bastard daughter. And he's like, I refuse. I'm a bastard, but I'm the Pope's bastard. So don't come to me with that. So Sancha is offered to 
the Pope's youngest, Geoffrey. And so he marries her, but then Juan finally gets to see her and he's like, damn, I messed up. So he takes her as a mistress. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Juan is like a the most ridiculous person. Ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Like, he's honestly the weakest of the Pope's children. And I don't just mean physically, like, psychologically, he's a man who's deeply insecure. And I've probably said this on many episodes, spanning many different topics, but an insecure man is the most dangerous man you'll ever come across. I said what I said. Listen, and and he, and and you're proven right, honestly. Season ends with, um, so Lucrezia bounces, right? But uh, the other Italian families have convinced the French king to, like, take his army and go to Rome and depose the Pope. Um, And everybody, like, runs. Everybody's like, whew, we out, bye, this has been great, but we're leaving. (laughs) And um, shout out to Papa Pope, shout out to Rodrigo, shout out to the kids, because, like, when I tell you they played this so well so well shout out to lucrezia who really did the damn thing (laughs) she literally single-handedly saved thousands hundreds of thousands of people's lives because lucrezia is one who engineers Um, the truce between king charles the eighth of france and her brother juan right right and she's like oh like you must she's like oh and she you know does her lucrezia thing she's like oh, like, my father would be happy to meet you. You must want, like, don't, you know, for the sake of my delicacy, please don't, like, kill and rape a bunch of people on your way. And she does it. He's like, of course, I would never do that. And this is while, like, technically they're being held hostage. This is why this is also so great. Because technically they're hostages. But she convinces him to, like, march peacefully into Rome. And then when he gets there... He sees Rodrigo, like, you know, doing, like, poor cosplay. Mm. Mm. <laughs> like, he, and, and he's just so, and then the, and then the king, like, uh, King Charles, he's just so moved. He's so moved. And he's like, why are you not in your papal robes? And Rodrigo is like, spins this yarn about, you know, I'm trying to get back to my roots. I'm trying to, like, get back to God. I'm trying to, like you know, really hear the words. You know what I mean? And he is, like, so shook. <laughs> this is the same man who laughed when Vanessa uh, implied that he might have to take a vow of poverty. And he's like, huh, I should hope not. This is the man who gets fitted for new robes every day. Napkins are sold in gold thread. Like, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Cosplay is a perfect word for it. Because... <laughs> Because he's like, I am just but a simple, he's like, I'm simple. I'm just like a man. Like, we're all men. Like, you're a man. Like, I'm a man. Like, my, like you know, we all have to understand that we're here to serve Jesus. And, and it works. <laughs> um, they have dinner in the poor, and the, and the poor cosplay works. They have dinner later that night and he convinces, um, the king to take his army and go to Naples uh, and conquer Naples and to not depose him. And he sends him into Naples knowing full well that there's like a pandemic and an outbreak in Naples and that he'll most likely like get sick and die. Okay. But you know what? Rodrigo's not my favorite person, but the word of the day is ingenuity (laughs) 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 because God 
damn, he couldn't have planned that better. Like, he obviously didn't plan the outbreak, right? But why not capitalize on it? <laughs> Folks are gonna die. Why not your enemies? <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Ingenuity, resourcefulness, proactive. These are all <laughs> words we can apply. <laughs> like right and so uh so he said so the french king goes to to naples to ultimately get sick and um lucrezia lulu has the her baby by paolo and that's how we end season one right and like every cheating wife she names the baby after her husband Giovanni. Right. <laughs> um, season one was wild. Honestly, I love the rumor. I love the in, the invention of haters, in addition to actual haters. Haters. <laughs> Same. I'm like, it's giving intrigue. It's giving um it's giving intrigue, it's giving politics, it's giving backstabbing, it's giving death. It's giving all the things I want in a good historical drama soap, and I, I'm here for it. I love it. I think it's so good. You know, that word soaps, that's exactly what it is. This is honestly what every show about gossip aspires to be. It's truly, truly. Yeah, I want to be the worst, but y'all get too caught up in these ridiculous, redundant facts. Like, no (laughs) one cares. Give me the drama. La drama. That's what we want in our lives. Um, This first season was great. And they also do do a lot to lay down the groundwork of these characters. Like I said, pilot episode. We know who Rodrigo is. We know who Vanacha is. We know who Juan is. We know who Cesare is. We definitely um, get a heavy implication of Cesare's or Cesare's, I keep mispronouncing his name, Cesare and Lucrezia's future relationship. Um, and <laughs> we I know- I just blotted out of my mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Watch that first, that first uh, pilot episode, you guys. Let us know what you think in the comments section about Lucrezia and Cesare. Um, and we definitely get to see who the other cardinals are. Because y'all ain't shit either. Quiet as it's kept. Quiet as it's kept. <laughs> no, yeah. I love that. Same. I think these characters are well drawn. I was trying to... I like that we understand these dynamics very quickly. Um, we know who everybody is. And um, from there... T- it's a really good movement and it's a really good pace. I like Lucrezia's arc over this first season a lot. Uh, I like Julia Farnese because I think Julia Farnese could have been like your prototypical, like second wife. And she is in a way, but um, when her and Lucrezia and Vanessa like sort of come to uh, like a respect for each other in this second season, I I really appreciate that. And I, I like that a lot. There's a visual storytelling that happens in the Borgias that's really, that's smarter than as opposed to the Tudors. It would take me a long time to get into like the politics aspect of the Tudors and I couldn't understand why. And then I watched the Borgias and I kind of got it. And it's because the Borgias really does a lot with like visual storytelling that the Tudors doesn't. Like information we need to know about like a plot that's happening against the family or whatever, they do a lot to show, like, they do a lot, like, visually in terms of, like, 
They're going to show you like shots of like the gold coins and then the gold coins going to the specific person and then the specific person carrying out an action either for or against the Borgia family and all those and that sort of visualness of it um, is something that we did not get on the tutors like that would on the tutors that would be like a conversation like it'd be like a four minute like a two minute conversation between like two men and like really you know great furs and that's awesome and everything but it um it it lagged the story in a way that it lagged it lagged the story whereas the Borges is all about pushing story forward pushing sword forward and making sure that story is visually interesting um and that that's a lot and that speaks to a lot and I really liked that aspect of it I agree with that. I mean, I I love a good conversation and I like a lot of exposition and dialogue, Um, but I like it when it's two people having a conversation, not two people making a plan or referencing other people. Because as you said, when the tutors did that, not only does it take it, take us away from what, what could have been, you know, really great visual storytelling. They're also forcing us to keep track of characters and who they are and what they do. If there's something to take from it, I it definitely made me think that like conversations when you're having to like characters really sit across from each other and talk is for like character development and pushing whatever like relationship between these characters you're pushing it forward and you know other stuff other like plot related stuff let that happen in the visuals let that happen in montage that's what it's for to like you know get it along fully agree with that um really quick because we didn't talk about him enough our assassin extraordinaire assassin extraordinaire micheletto or micheletto also like i want to say the third or fourth episode i was watching this and i i said to alex this is one scene that's giving me deep homoerotic vibes and uh, let's just say vindicated. Um, but even with a, a, a supporting character like that, they do such great job of laying the groundwork of who he is and who we can expect him to be. So I'm going to give this first season an excellent. What about you? Same, same. It's a big, it's a, it's just so good. It's a really good plus. It's, I love it. It's really entertaining. Um, and that's, that's what you want out of, out of all, all else. Um, so Season two, we kick off season two, and what's his face? Oh my god, one of their like chief haters, Cardinal. Uh, Cardinal, 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 Cardinal. Let me look to see if I wrote anything in my notes. It's not Savonarola. Uh, oh. uh Della. Yes, Della Rove. Della Rove, yes. So Cardinal Della Rove has since like fled Rome. He, cause he was like a chief hater. He was like a chief assassination planner and basically all his plans went to shit. He, Let's uh, Card- be clear. He didn't have to run because he was a hater. Cause everybody hates Rodrigo. He had to run cause he talks too damn much. <laughs> he talks too damn much. He's also the one that like tried to convince the French king to like depose He's the one that, like, sent the French king to depose Rodrigo in Rome. So, like, he knew that once that fell through, he had to go. <laughs> um, so we kick off the season, season two, with uh, Cardinal Della Rove in some far-off place doing his uh, pope, doing his cardinal, you know, 
priest thing. And he, um, and as he's, you know, leading service, uh, and doing his job, he, uh, gives communion. He like pours his communion wine and he's giving communions to like the nuns in the convent. And suddenly he is just, (coughs) you know, he's coughing. He's not feeling so right. And the fourth nun (laughs) is not really a nun, but it's Cesare who has like poisoned his wine unbeknownst to him. And he's got him. And Cesare is just like, you thought you could run, but bitch, I'm Cesare Borgia. Um, What did we learn from this? We learned that you should probably look at people's faces when they're (laughs) serving you food or or beverage. (laughs) Um... If you're rude to the people serving you food and you don't acknowledge them, this is what happens. <clears throat> this is what happens. <laughs> um, and Cesare's like, so, so sorry that, like, you know, you're dying. That sucks for you. Um, he survives his poisoning. Cesare just does it as, like, a warning. He, he ultimately survives, and he and Micheletto then scurry off. Rodrigo is doing what Rodrigo does, which is, you know, found, he found new girl. He found new hoes to fuck, because that's because of course he he is. Um, and Julia feels a type of way about it. She's trying to figure out how to deal. Nah, sis. Right? Girl, nah, not, sis. not you. Not you, Julia. Not, not you. Not you, Julia. Julia. And, and you know what the worst thing that happens? So he's fucking new hoes. And Julia goes to Vanessa to be like, how do I make sure he doesn't cheat? Like, the nerve. The nerve. Listen, like, I really, I'm looking at the screen like, are you dumb? (laughs) Are you (laughs) dumb? Are you okay? (laughs) You are so dumb. You are really dumb, for real. Like, (laughs) oh my God. But yeah, she actually does go to the first courtesan to get help on not how to be usurped by another courtesan. Girl, um... If I were Vanessa, I would really help her dig her own grip. I'd be like, oh, girl, just have a baby. That way she can be stuck with him. <laughs> um, <laughs> be like, just have a baby, girl. Um, uh, Chesare is really in his full mercenary element. <laughs> yes. Um, King Charles, as Rodrigo predicted, ha- King Charles VIII has contracted the Neapolitan fever, a.k.a. the plague that's down in Naples. But he still manages to capture, torture, and kill King Alfonso. Uh, um, this is this is complete fabrication, by the way. King Alfonso uh, um, went into seclusion and died of natural causes. This is beyond well documented. He did not die the way this show portrays it all. Listen, we're just we're just trying to create drama, trying to create you know intrigue, trying to create plot. <laughs> Right, but he got got. For the sake of the show, he got got. King Charles is going to get got because whatever that is in the air is in his lungs. Europeans at the time had incredibly questionable hygiene practices. So it's over. Like, pretty much it's over. And speaking of illnesses, Juan is diagnosed with syphilis this season. Juan is sent away. And then he comes back and we were told that he's he has syphilis. There's a huge thing that happens of why he gets sent away. So... Paolo, poor Paolo. Paolo comes to Rome. He comes to Rome because he's a person and he's a good person and he is missing, you know, his his 
his boo thing and he wants to see his his child. He knows that a child is, you know, he can he can't read, but I assume he can count. And so um he's I'm sure counted out the months and he wants to see, you know, his 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 son. And so he goes to Rome to do that. And he does do that with the help of Cesare and uh, Micheletto, assassin extraordinaire. And so during this excursion to Rome, Juan basically figures out that Paolo is like, because everybody, listen, everybody knows that it's Paolo. Everybody knows that like, the the father of Lucrezia's baby is illegitimate. Like n- nobody is under the assumption that it's Giovanni's. Like that it's um, it's it was like yeah. her husband's. Uh, and they're all cool with it because you know shit happens. And also, like we married her to a rapist. It's on us. <laughs> like- oh, and really quickly, um, Cesare um and Micheletto did kidnap Giovanni and got that marriage annulled last season. But, like, everybody knows, everybody freaking knows uh, that it's not her, that it's not his baby, that the baby's illegitimate or whatever. Um, So, but Paolo comes to see the baby and everybody, you know, sort of lets him, like, works to help him see this baby in secret. And so, you know, and then, you know, Lucrezia, because she's, a kind person. She throws it back at him one last time. (laughs) And he leaves. (laughs) And on his way out of... And listen, Paolo is a real one, too. Like, he's not out here trying to tell everybody and their mama that, like, he's smashed Lucrezia Borgia and, like, knocked her up. He's just trying to see his son and go. Um, Side piece goals. Side piece goals. Like, for real. So on his way out of Rome, Cesare, not Cesare, Juan basically like figures out that Paolo was here to see Lucrezia and to, you know, see his son and then dip. And like we said, because Juan is the worst. Worst. (laughs) Worst. You know, he murders Paolo. He murders Paolo in the dead of night for no reason. For literally no reason. For right. no Why? reason. Why? Oh, no, not, excuse me. He did have a reason. His reason is, quote, because how dare my sister love a commoner. <laughs> I said that with a British accent, but like, what the fuck? But what the Dude, fuck? That's like, what the fuck? Like, literally 90% of the bad decisions that Juan makes are a direct result of the fact that he is a snob. And it's completely unearned. It's completely unearned. Like, completely unearned. What the hell even? (laughs) And, like, the child's already here. Like, she, he already done got her pregnant. Like... I don't think she's going to get pregnant again. She's probably taking precautions for that. There's probably like a sponge up there or some old timey contraption to prevent another it, pregnancy. Right, right, right. Like, and it, I'm sure she's being extra careful because there's no more husband to pin another pregnancy on. Right. <laughs> she can't get pregnant again. Like you just, you just can't. Um, but Juan kills Paolo for literally no reason. But you know, um, God is a just God. <laughs> 
And basically this like sets off and like so Juan killing Paolo like sets off like a real like fuck Juan like in the in the household. <laughs> like um Lucrezia doesn't fuck with Juan, Cesare's been not fucking with Juan, and Papa Pope like confronts them about it and he's like, Why don't y'all love y'all brother? And they're like, Because he sucks. <laughs> like, I yeah, hate him. Like- He's high key trash. You can't make me is literally their answer. <laughs> answer. <laughs> like even Vanessa is like, I don't know. I think I would have done that one again. <laughs> like Right, right. Because Vanessa and, and, and Chester Ray in particular, like obviously Julia knew as well, but Chester and Vanessa like literally set up this meeting for her and Paolo, right? Right. Like, they set up the meeting in the first place because they know, like, she really loves this man. This is her baby daddy. And honestly, he probably saved her life in injuring Giovanni because that man was probably going to kill her somewhere down the line. Oh, I, I, yeah, yeah. So, like, where's the fucking gratitude, Juan? Where's the, where's the gratitude? There's none. There's zero. Um, And it's the first, and, like, this is, like, the first big thing that, like, that really sets him off. Also, you caught that, like, Lucrezia was low-key trying to kill him, right? Yes. 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 So, <laughs> Lucrezia low-key tries to kill Juan and then ends up getting his, like, his paramour. But he, he thought, she thought he, she was going to kill him. Oh, gosh. Oh, my it. God. You know what? To be a wife, a paramour, uh, an advisor, an acquaintance, a best friend at the time, you're really taking your life into your hands. And then the next thing that, like, sort of sends Juan away is that he, Juan basically is supposed to go, like, fight the Sforza family, like, Katarina Sforza, which we were, like, briefly introduced to last season, and he fails. He fails in a big way. And so they send him away. They send him away to to Papa Pope, like, sends him away to the new world. And he's like, go to the new world. Get right. Fix yourself. Like, fix your fix yourself. Fix your thoughts. Fix your shit. And then when you are ready and you have healed, you can come back and be a part of this family. And so he's banished. I mean... <laughs> I feel like Rodrigo's not in a position to chastise one. <laughs> and I also feel like the new world, a place that's being like colonized, pillaged and raped is not a place where you go to get right. But you know, whatever, whatever. He, he's, he's banished, he's banished and um, he gets him some syphilis. Yeah. He gets, and then he comes back and he has syphilis. Um, and that is that's not unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. Um, do you want to talk about Katarina Sforza? Yeah. So she's like head of the clan, which is kind of like a big, like she's the head of that family, really. Like she's wearing the the big girl pants, which is a, a, a very interesting dynamic, particularly for this time period for a woman to be running things. But she is like the most perceptive, the most proactive, the most resourceful, and the most fearless member of the Sforza family. She's not running them very well because she still allows herself to be seduced by Cesare Borgia. And girl, you know that was never going to end well. See, but did she, what did she, but like, or did she seduce him? You know what I mean? Because I feel like he's feeling it. It's not a good idea. Like, I know people, especially in this time period, thought that like seducing your enemy gave you the upper hand. They're not seeing clearly. (laughs) (laughs) They're not seeing clearly. 
You need to keep your eye on the prize. Just kill him. Dick is abundant. Go, go find some other dick. <laughs> she, but she does seduce him. It like, and and Cesare's feeling it. He's feeling her heavy. Um, not like in a romantic sense, but in a like, yeah, I'm gonna hit it. Like this, this feels like a good idea. It's not. If your family hates their family, but you can't get them off your mind, sweetie, that's just the devil. That's the devil. <laughs> but it ends in like. Uh, when after and i feel like it's so lame because it's like right she he he goes there to try to be like listen why do you hate my family like this isn't necessary we could be friends don't do this just just don't do this and she's like he goes come to rome kiss the ring of my father let's all you know kiss and make up like it doesn't have to be like this i don't want to fight you i'm tired i do i don't know if you know but i do a lot of things and i am personally tired so if you could like be amenable to this situation that would be great she's like no but like i'll fuck you because like i'm feeling it and he's like uh, okay <laughs> and <laughs> i mean sis i don't know why you couldn't have just lied and said yes in the moment i don't get it and so when that happens not to kill somebody lying is the lesser crime right (laughs) so and and just to make and and like i will say shout out to her like this is like she really is a bad bitch she's all about the psychological manipulation and the warfare because like after she you know rides that dick and stays on till porch lights um she makes sure that, like, Giovanni Sforza then comes to, like, join her and Cesare for, like, you know, snacks in the morning. Which, that's a really, that's a power move to invite your, your, your fuck buddies, like, your fuck buddies' sister. Like, the, it's a power move to invite, like, your, your family member who, like, raped the sister of your fuck buddy. Like, that is... That's different. Like, hey, remember remember your former brother-in-law? Hey. Let's, have, hey. let's, have, let's just have a spot of tea. Like, like right? Like, let's all chill. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, what she should have done is slit his throat in his sleep. But she wanted to play these games. <laughs> she did. She was all about the mind games. Like, she really was out here, like, really... Because, like, seriously, that is, like, a real mind fuck. And shout out to Cesare, because, like, he rises to the occasion. Like, he sees Giovanni, and, like, once she, like, leaves the room, Cesare, like, very quickly just, like, takes a knife and, like, stabs him <laughs> in, the, on the, in the hand and then stabs him in the throat and then stabs him and cuts out his heart. And I was like, damn, that's, you know, damn. I mean, they both knew. Uh, Katerina and Giovanni knew the risk they were taking. You walked into that fire intentionally. (laughs) Intentionally. I don't feel bad for Nan, one of (laughs) y'all. I'm not going to treat somebody's sister this way and then come and sit down next to them like we're friends. No. Right? I wouldn't then come sit down next to their brother like we're friends. Okay, so let's really quickly talk about this development that happens with... um, uh, Micheletto, where we find out that Micheletto like had like this boyfriend apparently forever. Um, Micheletto is really into flagellation and being like whipped. Um, after he commits his many misdeeds, which he takes great pleasure in committing. So I'm like, 
he gets he gets off on this. This gives me a lot of homoerotic energy. And then in season two, I'm vindicated because we find out that Micheletto is in fact gay. So I'm like, you know, thank you for not just wasting this opportunity and actually making him gay. Like we love it. We live for it. We live for it. Yep. And we meet like his ex, and it's a whole it's a whole like plotline, and it's a lot of drama. Um, but I like it mostly because it's nice to see that character like expanded in that way and then like expanded further in season three. That'll be interesting. Um, I think what I love the most about Micheletto being a gay assassin is that this is like a, a, a really much needed fuck you to the kill your gays trope. That feels that, sim- that, that gives me a sense of, of, of symmetry. <laughs> That's definitely that's definitely something I hadn't considered before, but um I I I can see it, I can vibe it. Um and oh okay, so season two. Um so season two, Rodrigo has to like Papa Pope has to try really hard to convince uh Lulu to get married again. She's not feeling this whole marriage thing again. Um, but eventually she submits and she does remarry and she remarries or she gets engaged Mm -hmm. to Sebastian D'Souza. Uh, not quite. Um, she gets engaged. No, no. Um, she was supposed to marry Calvino. Yes. And then, um, but she was, but her and his brother Raffaello were feeling each other. Um, and Raffaello was denied. So they both left Rome. And then she later becomes engaged to Alfonso of Aragon. Yeah, that's Sebastian D'Souza. Sorry, I'm using his real name, like, in life. Oh, I'm just, girl, because his real name is Italian, too. You can't do that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who is Sebastian D'Souza? Did I, did I not watch the show right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's his name. <laughs> so, so like, who is this person? Because there's a lot of characters on this show, and honestly, I don't, I really don't remember everyone's name. I tried to put down the names of the people that like are minor characters, or and the people we don't care about, like their youngest brother, <laughs> so that I can keep them straight in my head. But yeah, that's where the season ends off. Uh, she is engaged to Alfonso of Aragon, and who is um, Sancha of Aragon's brother, I believe. Um, and the Pope is poisoned. Like somebody finally su- manages to, manages to successfully poison Rodrigo, and we end on that note. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and like uh, Cesare kills uh, Juan this season after, like once he comes back from Spain, and then he's like really sick with syphilis. Juan like does like Juan takes like Lucrezia's baby and like dangles it over a balcony and then that's when everybody realizes that like and that's when Cesare at least realizes this can absolutely not continue and Cesare just Cesare and Micheletto just just do it and they they kill Juan and dump his body in the river Okay, um, not a defense, but Juan was high off his ass on opium <laughs> during the baby dangling <laughs> incident. <laughs> he, be- he became an opium addict after the syphilis diagnosis. Like, um, again, there was no cure for syphilis at the time, but you know, you could 
prolong your life by minimizing the pain. And I'm pretty sure he was about to if he hadn't already reached the mental insanity stage of syphilis. So really, did Cesare kill him or did he simply end his misery? <laughs> Questions. Um, <laughs> Questions. Questions. <laughs> Things to consider. Because he was dying regardless. So... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And so then that's where we end it. So, and it's season two is wild. I like season two as well. Yeah. I don't know why the the critics were being such haters. I think maybe they thought the show was taking too many liberties at this point, especially with the whole King Alfonso thing. Like the way they Mm -hmm. killed King Alfonso was just so extra and not (laughs) at all realistic at all. Um, But I feel like season two is in line with season one. I feel like I'm watching the same show. Drama, intrigue, gossip, rumors, lies, schemes, assassinations, like uh, feuds, alliances. I'm living. I was living. Season two is great. (laughs) What do you think of season two? Same. I love season two. People say that like season two is when the show fell off, but I don't think so. I love it. I'm still here. When, when like, Cesare kills Juan, like, I am emotionally like, oh, my God, what just happened? Like, he deserved it, but oh, my God. Like, I'm feeling it. I like it. Yeah, so season so season two for me is a, is a solid good. Season you, three. Season no, three. I- season three, we kick off, like, the Pope, like, Papa Pope is poisoned, has been poisoned. Rodrigo has been poisoned. Because Cardinal Della Rove played the long ass game, played the long game, found himself a little boy to like manipulate into martyring himself. And so he finally got, he finally did it. Like, sh- like he got, he low key got them. And so now. Let's talk about that really quickly. <laughs> okay. Cardinal Della Rovere is like. He bought his way into the papacy. He is corrupt. The church is corrupt. But we've literally been watching two seasons of this man. Like, when they go low, he goes, like, subterranean. <laughs> trying to get Rodrigo out of the papacy. Like, you are, you are a worse person than he is. You are a much worse person than he is. <laughs> like... Doing he doing a lot with the least, and it's like, and like okay, so you don't like him, but like, would you have dispatched your mistresses and your daughters to make sure that like, you know, money goes to the poor? Would you? Would you have done it, Cardinal Delarove? Right, right. I don't think all so. of this energy so. putting into getting rid of Rodrigo, like. Are you saving souls? Are you feeding the hungry? Are you housing the homeless? Are you taking care of the fatherless and the widow, sir? <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? Um, literally his entire life, like this fixation with getting rid of Rodrigo has consumed him. And I find it hard to believe that he was like such a good person beforehand. You just don't, you don't jump like that. This is a cute little bookend because it's kind of reminiscent of when Pope Innocent the Eighth was dying. And we see all the cardinals plotting at Rodrigo's bedside. <laughs> Right, right. Um, so yeah, he's the Pope is poisoned. He's taken to to his rooms and um Cesare is Cesare is in like damage control. Cesare is, you know, out roaming these streets trying to figure out like, okay, what now? Um 
Shout out to Lucrezia, who knows exactly what to do to, like, counteract the poison. Right, right. She's like, oh, you got to take that charcoal, you got to crush it up, and you got to get it down his throat. She's like, even if he vomits, get it down his throat. The night where, like, he's been poisoned and he's, like, and he's, like, sort of fighting for their life is the same night that Della Rove has, like, paid a group... Not just one, uh, you know, Beyonce assassin, but, like, a group of, you know, like, Mandy Moore assassins. Like, you know, decent, but not not Beyonce. Uh, to come and, like, kill the whole family in the quarter. In, like, the quarters where they are. And uh, shout out to Micheletto and Cesare. They, they you know, they they figure it out and they stop it. But... People really hate them. They're not, people are not here for them at all. Right. Now, that's probably the one thing that the show gets right is that people really, really did hate the Borgia family. Hence all the rumors. You don't make up, even if you're making shit up, you don't make shit up about people you like. And Alfonso does not want to sleep with her before marriage. And she's being all sexually frustrated. And he's being, you know, I'm really not sure what the game is. I don't know if he's just very, very pious or um, he just has no interest in her, so he's not going to put his dick in her before the vows, but he's not sleeping with her. He's pious, that's why. He says he made, like, a vow to, like, St. Agatha, somebody or whatever. He's just pious. Well, he's nice. Like, I don't know, uh-huh. Lulu, This so this is where Lulu kind of gets me. Like, Lulu, like, all Lucrezia wanted was, like, to marry, like, a Paolo, a nice boy, and, like, she found one, and now that she has one, she's, like, kind of over it. And I'm like, okay, but, like... Right. Uh, um, but they get married, right? They right. get married, and her husband fails to consummate their marriage. And that's, like, a whole thing. So Lucrezia decides to go full Lannister. She visits uh, Chesare in his quarters, and they have sex. <sighs> Yeah, like on it, like I said, pilot episode. I texted Alex, are they fucking? Because they were giving me absolute fucking vibes. But no, the show was just giving us this, this buildup. Um, honestly, I felt like, like you said, she, Alfonso was a nice guy and she kind of did him dirty. Cheating on him and with her brother, no less, was just like so much. I just feel like that point, like she was just making excuses to go fuck her brother. Yeah, like, honestly, and it sucks because, like, the two actors do have, like, a vibe. But, like, uh, it's, like, uh. <laughs> it's so yeah. weird. I, I think for me, because, again, uh, like you said, that there's, like, a lot of chemistry, and I clocked it, like, first episode, however... For me, it ruins a lot of the goodwill the writers have done to build up Lucrezia. For me. I don't know if it does that for anybody else. But I'm just like, like, I just can't, I can't see her the same anymore. Like, Chesare, you really, I mean, he's not a good person. He's done a lot of bad things to a lot of bad people. But like, Lucrezia is someone up until that point could be qualified uh, as a good person. Right. Honestly, I think the show could be the same if Cesare isn't Rodrigo's son and he's just this this trusted, like, close friend of the... Like, he's a cardinal 
who Rodrigo is just really close to and treats like a son. I don't think anything in the story changes. And, and in fact, it makes the sort of, like, um, it makes the the tension between him and Juan even stronger. If he's just this person who Rodrigo thinks of as a son, but isn't mm. actually a son. Yeah, I mean, y'all were making up a lot of shit. Y'all could have done, y'all really could have done that and you made really the story done so that. much better. <laughs> it could have been so much better. Because then you can, then you can genuinely have this, like, Cesare Lucrezia thing building for all the seasons. And then when it actually happens, it's, then it, and then this happens, it, you, I can enjoy the payoff. And, and it makes it even sort of, and then it makes it really, um, I think it makes it richer when you do have, uh, when, when, um, he accidentally kills, uh, what's his, her husband. And then he, mm-hmm. he's like, you're all mine now. Cause then it, it does feel like she's in this sort of web of control that she just can't get past. It makes all that becomes richer if he's just this cardinal that Rodrigo is very close to, that Rodrigo thinks of a son. And, or he can just be like, or it doesn't, or like if you have to have this sort of like father son thing between Cesare and Rodrigo, Cesare could be like an orphan that Rodrigo took in. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Right. That makes the story even richer because let's say, you know, he was taken in when he was like, I don't know, maybe nine, 10 years old. Uh, young enough that he might be considered a member of the family, but old enough that he remembers that she's not his sister. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's ways around this that they could have made it better. Like Alex just gave you guys a bunch of really, really good ways to keep the story solid and not make the audience have to root for siblings who are fucking. <laughs> right. Like there are just so many options. And I because feel like- I feel dirty just watching this. Same. I feel gross. Like I feel... I feel weird because it's like, because the actors definitely like, like it's there. Like the aunt, like per, between Cesare and Lucrezia, those actors, like it's there. Like I'm not like that, like blind, but like it's like I can't feel good about, like I can't feel good about the payoff. Um, anyway, it's like, yeah. It's just, it's just really, really bad. Um, but she essentially helps him kill her husband, right? And, like, they come up to this understanding that, like, only a Borgia could love a Borgia. Or whatever, whatever ridiculousness they need to tell themselves to, to, to legitimize this, this really fucked up relationship. So, like, it's, well, like, okay, so he, he tries to, he doesn't not fuck her because he doesn't want to fuck her. They get married, and after the, during the reception or whatever, they kind of sneak away and they go into this room because, like, Cesare has been planning the whole wedding, right? Cesare is like in charge of this. What has been in charge of this wedding? And during and during um the sort of like in the seating chart or whatever, like Cesare was sort of like dividing who is like who are their supporters and who are their enemies, and. In the middle are, is like her husband. What's his name in the show again? Uh, Alfonso of Aragon. Alfonso. So in the middle is like Alfonso's. Like is um is Alfonso. Like Cesare doesn't know if he's friend or foe, and basically he's about. They're about to like hook up in post wedding in this room, 
And Alfonso sees the seating chart divided into like friends and enemies and sees that he's in the middle and he starts to feel a type of way. He's like, what? So like, what am I to you? And she goes, I love you. Like, don't worry about it. And he goes, but your brother hates me. And she goes, you know, Cesare. And she's like, you know, Cesare doesn't really like anybody. So don't like feel bad about it. Like there's nobody that he's particularly fond of. And but, like, he feels the type of way because he, I guess he can feel, like, the situation between them. And he's like, fuck it. Like, I don't want to fuck you. And he leaves. And that's when she gets, like, really, like, that's when she sort of has this breakdown. And she's like, no one's ever going to love me but you. And then they fuck. Right. So, to recap, her husband was legitimately upset at her brother's opinion of her specifically because he can see how close her and her brother are. And she uses that as an excuse to basically confirm all of his worst suspicions and more. Yeah. Cause she says, and, and yeah, and that's what happens. Cause when she goes to Cesare, he's like, we can't fuck. And she's like, everybody already thinks we're fucking. We might as well fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Uh, I feel like that's the worst reason to do anything. <laughs> And then it turns out she was just, like, into it. Like, and she didn't expect to be into it, but she was into it. Child. And I'm um, just like, um, what? It was just really, really bad all along. Um, And, like, this, honestly, this third season for me is where it falls off because it's too much of this Lucrezia drama. I like the drama in the first two seasons because it was pretty evenly spaced out. Everybody had drama. Everyone was going through things. This season was just, I think, way too focused on her and her kid. So this season, King Ferdinand refuses to acknowledge um, Lucrezia's son, Giovanni, at court. Because we know, he knows, everybody knows. <laughs> And she wants to kill him, but then Chester is like, no, 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 Micheletto can do it. So much. The only uh, drama Rodrigo's dealing with once he recovers from being poisoned is that he basically wants to tax the Jewish community in Italy further in order to fund the, the wars of the papal armies. And they're like, uh, we're poor, but, but we've got something really, really cool. It's an artifact. They give him the Spear of Destiny, uh, known as the Spear of Lon- Longinus. This is the spear that essentially the Roman soldier threw into the side of Jesus Christ while he was hanging on the cross after he had died. That is that spear. I don't know why they call it the Spear of Destiny, because Jesus was most definitely dead before that spear was thrown, but whatever. The Jews kept it, and they're like, we can give you this artifact, um, just don't tax us. Right. The whole thing is is that, like, apparently the Jewish community is, like, they're nomadic, and they need somewhere to settle, and Mm. basically every other region is like, get the fuck out, like, because anti-Semitism. Rodrigo has, like, agreed after they're like, hey, we'll give you this thing, Rodrigo's like, yeah, you can come here. You can be here. You can settle here. I'll carve out a space. They'll get over it. Like, the Italians will get over it. Like, it's it can all be chill. Right, right. And they give him the sphere, and, you know, he's living his best life, essentially. Um, <laughs> also, in other news, just like every other ain't shit fuckboy before him, uh, Rodrigo post his near-death experience <laughs> dumps Julia Farnese and goes back to Vanessa because he's like, girl, you're the only one that really loves me. 
I mean, I'm glad that poisoning taught him something. I'm glad he saw the light, as it were. But you know what? I'm mad that Fanasha was still there waiting when he decided to come back. I'm mad at you, girl. <laughs> I'm mad at you. Know your worth. What she really should have done was been, listen, I gave you four ungrateful-ass kids. I'm going back to my husband now. Right. She's like, I'm, you know, I've got this palace. I got a, I got a cute bag after the fact. Like, I think I'm just going to do this. Right. Like we get, we get some good drama though with Mikaletto. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that. That's a lot. So he has a new boyfriend because let's be honest, he's a Beyonce of assassins. He's in really good shape. Um, you know, he's a catch. He's a catch. But he finds out that his new lover is a spy, you guys. Oof. So, let me ask you a question. Did you clock that, like, Micheletto is, like, a little in love with Cesare this whole time? Just, like, a little yeah, bit? Yeah, from, from the first time that Cesare was whipping him, I was like, this this is a little homoerotic, right? And it didn't escape me that Micheletto's, like, spy boyfriend looks a lot like Cesare. <laughs> They have, like, the same uh, sort of... <laughs> yeah, he was definitely a great value, Chessere. <laughs> anyway, continue. Um, yeah, so he was with, he was with uh, great value, Chessere. And da-da-da, dude is a spy. And upon discovering this, um, I think Chessere is the one who might have told him, like, dude's, dude might not be on the up and up. Yeah. And he discovers, like, okay, so this dude really is a spy. So he kills him upon learning that he is a spy. Because what else are you going to do when He's you are... like... <laughs> like, Micheletta was so overcome with, like, emotion. It's, like, the most emotion he's ever shown. But, like, he's upset that, like, he... He's he's upset that he essentially betrayed Cesare. He's upset that his boyfriend is a spy. And he's just so overcome emotionally that he, like, kills the boyfriend. And then, like, he tell And then, like, he dips... Like, he, he just abandons Cesare. Yeah, we never see uh, Micheletto again. I don't know. He probably went off into, like, the desert to die or something. Like, I don't know. Or, or a prey. Or, I don't know what he did. But like you said, like, he was a, he's a very stoic person. But when he found out that his man was a whole liar and a spy, ooh, baby, he was not feeling it. He was not feeling it at all. And we never saw him again. Like, he was just heartbroken. Like, completely heartbroken. Cesare and Lucrezia end up together when they kill her man. So they uh, okay. So they do. It's an accident. It's an accident. Although, granted, he was planning to kill him, but like, it's when it actually happens, it's an accident. So like, so basically, like Lucrezia being married to Alfonso is no longer politically expedient for. Cesare and Rodrigo anymore. That's essentially what happens. And Cesare and Rodrigo de- like together decide that Alfonso has to go. And Lucrezia, because like she's not an idiot, she can like sort of feel it from them both. So she mm-hmm. goes to Rodrigo and she's like, "Yo, what's up with this? Like, what's what's going on?" And Rodrigo's like, "Well, you know, life." And you know, she goes, "No, no, 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 no. Like, I know y'all are plotting something." Y'all are going quiet on me. Y'all don't go quiet on me. Everybody's talking, like, in whispers behind my back. I'm not feeling it. Somebody needs to say it straight to me right now what's happening. And he's like, well, don't worry about it. I think you just know you're crazy, girl. You're 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 misinterpreting things. And the person is <laughs> like, 
are y'all gonna kill Alfonso? And like Rodrigo goes like, <laughs> like, and she goes, do not. And I repeat, do not kill Alfonso. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> and so, but she doesn't really know how to prevent it. Like, and Alfonso himself is like, are you fucking your brother? And she's like, why do you always bring that shit up to me? <laughs> Listen, there's some questions that you ask and you don't, if you get anything other than a yes or no answer, that's an admission of guilt, period. Period. Like, <laughs> Basically, Alfonso is, like, really, like, he's, like, are you and your brother fucking? Because, like, I've been in the streets, I've heard the rumors, and everybody says you and your brother are fucking. And Lucrezia is, like, why are you listening to other people? (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to what people people say. say. (laughs) They don't know about. And... And he's like, that is not the answer I wanted. <laughs> and which is like you just said, if it's a, if it's anything other than yes or no, like that's a problem. Um, so he like goes one night. So Cesare, like, you know, in the absence of Micheletto has found like a new, you know, assassin, you know, it's not Beyonce, but it's, it's Dua Lipa and that, that will do for now. So, <laughs> so he's like listen i need you to kill my sister's husband and he's like okay sure and so uh but like apparent but it's been but like alfonso's been sort of like drinking heavily and heavily because he's like really plagued by these your wife is fucking her brother rumors and so he comes so like he he comes back to the palace or whatever. They're like big ass palace. Cesare is like, you're drunk, go to bed. And he's like, listen, listen to me when I'm speaking to you. I don't care if I'm fucked up. Like I'm trying to have a conversation with you man to man. And you trying to say something to me, but are you fucking your sister? And Cesare is like, don't worry about what I do. <laughs> worry about what you do. <laughs> Again, an admission of guilt, if I ever heard one. <laughs> and in and then he gets and then Alfonso like takes out his sword, like he's gonna fight Cesare, and Cesare is like, I'm trying to uh turn an elected official into like a monarchy so I can be powerful forever. This is not something that I have time to deal with right now. So I need you to go to bed. And and so like they have like this real like dumb kerfuffle and Alfonso drops his sword and Cesare walks over and goes to pick it up. And while Cesare's back is turned, Alfonso like rushes him and when Cesare turns around, Alfonso falls on the sword. Like, he, it is an accident, but, like, Lucrezia is totally, like, devastated because she wanted her marriage to work, and she's mad that it's not working. And, like, he dies. But then Cesare is, like, low-key excited because he's like, didn't have to do that myself. And that's where we end season three and subsequently the series. So let's talk about that 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 last bit that you just spoke of because I have I have thoughts I have thoughts. Um, <laughs> the first thing is that um, I feel like uh, Lucrezia and Chesare, regardless of what they said, manifested this um, hashtag manifest your goals. Um, 
I just think it's like, it's just super convenient how things all came into play. Um, and I also think that like, obviously, uh, um, you know, Lucrezia didn't want the marriage to work out or she would have stopped fucking her brother. <laughs> because that's literally the only thing standing between you and a happy, happy marriage, sis. Like, I don't know if she, what she wanted her husband to be a fool, essentially. She wanted him to be oblivious because there's no other way that she could have kept fucking her brother and kept her husband happy. There's just no way. Um, I feel bad for Alfonso. I feel like of all the people who got got on the show, um, yeah, his was an accident. And he and Prince Sam, so pretty much anybody that ever had the hots for Lucrecia, um, uh, they didn't deserve this. They like just like ultimately didn't deserve this. I feel like the Borgias, as portrayed on the show, are really terrible people. Maybe not Joffrey. Maybe not their mom. But everybody else is trash. You know what? Shout out to Joffrey who just got married off and then moved away and like probably became like a good person. <laughs> right. I mean, as long as he never found out that his wife was sleeping with Juan, I'm sure he's fine. Child, these people are... But the cool thing about historical dramas is that they don't really shy. I feel like a lot of uh, a show set in modern time like to do this thing where they portray people as really, really good. Or they portray the people who do bad things as being very conflicted. And historical dramas are like, no, nah, they were trash. This person was trash. That person was trash. A lot of people were trash at this time. <laughs> right. I also, I also think the great thing about historical dramas is like, all the emotions get to be, the emotions get to be, like, really big. And that's not, like, and that's not, like, a knock on it. Because I think, like, in modern series, series is, like, if the emotions of, if the emotions of the people are, like, too much, then mm. um, we, like, sort of are, like, oh, like, this is bad. Whereas, like, it's sort of a requirement in historical dramas, which I really like. Yeah, I, you know, you make a really great point. A lot of modern TV is curated in such a way that when characters get emotional, it's almost as if they're getting emotional with the mindset that they have an audience, which is literally the opposite of acting. Um, but season three of The Borgias, I feel, absolutely fell off. And then the incest was really like the turd on top. <laughs> it was. It's so bad. Like... <laughs> um and it's so unfortunate like I said it's like they've already taken so much liberties like they've already like since season one there was no reason why these people had to be related season three sort of ends on this cliffhanger like season three like the big sort of political thing is that like Cesare is basically gearing up to like take it to the fucking top he wants to like he's trying to like raise an army to basically go against all the families in Italy so that he can flip the like the papacy into like a, a monarchy structure instead of a, like a, an elected structure and that's where the show sort of uh, ends is like him in the beginning stages of that um, mm. ultimately the show did not get a season four because it was too expensive Showtime said it was way too expensive and they didn't want to give it a season four um, Neil Jordan says that, who is the creator of the series, says that he would have ended season four with, like, you know, obviously the family as a whole ultimately going up in flames uh, with uh, particular attention to 
Rodrigo something to show that like he's actually like gonna burn in hell forever. So that feels cool. That does make sense. I mean, the family's doing all kinds of stuff. Now they've added incest to the repertoire. Um, and I'm sure their list of crimes and sins would have just piled up from there. <laughs> but as it stands, we can only judge by what is canon. We have three seasons, and I personally give this last season, season three, a bad plus. <laughs> yeah you see i was gonna give it like a basic minus but maybe black bad plus is where it's at like the incest stuff is just too much yeah you're really asking a lot of the audience you're asking and you're asking a lot of the audience and it's not like game of thrones i know i've made a lot of lannister references but it's not like game of thrones in the sense that we were never supposed to root for cersei You want us to root for these people, but you want them to be in an incestuous relationship. You can't have both. Right. Because (laughs) whereas Cesare is, like, not redeemable, Lucrezia, like, is. Because she's more just sort of stuck in... She's just sort of having to just bear the consequences of her brother and her her father's choices. So to have her kind of go full incest, like, it's like you've made her an irredeemable irredeemable character for, like, no reason. Right. There's actually, like, many books written about this for creative writing. Like, these are some things you can do to make your character irredeemable. Incest, child abuse, killing of a dog or cat. Like, your reader or your audience, in this case, are never going to get past that. (laughs) Right. Like, do better. And, like, I mean, they're right. Like, I couldn't get past it here. Um, And like we said earlier, Cesare being an orphan, Cesare being some sort of just cardinal. They were trying too hard in this writer's room, or the showrunner was trying too hard to be racy and scandalous, and they took it too far. You can always take it too far, and they absolutely did. (laughs) They did. They jumped the shark. I don't know. Hate to see it. Hate to see it because... Because there are some incredible performances here. Like, and I think that's another thing. Like, the incest thing takes away from, like, Jeremy Irons' performance. And he's just doing so much. You know? He does. He does. He does. Um, I think it takes away from the performances of the, those actors playing uh, Lucrezia and Cesare. And I'm going to explain what I mean by this. These actors, names Holiday Granger and Francoise Arnault, like they're really strong actors in their own right. They do a lot to make the show great. And there's a lot of chemistry between them, but even their acting and their talent pales in comparison to the context that we're, we're of the, what we're seeing. Right. Like right. You, you you have diminished them as actors in this point at this point. <laughs> you're in the and you're, you're you're so right. Like I can't even enjoy their performances cuz I'm so stuck on this like really gross plot point. Listen, incest is not the the vehicle that y'all think it is. It's really not. <laughs> it is really not. Uh, but overall, as a show, I think if I had to give the show like an overall grade, I'd say it's, it's, oh, uh, I'd say it's like mm, basic, basic plus just because of that third season. Good. I think if you're interested in like really thinking about how to make like a tight plot, and make that tight plot interesting, this is a good show to watch. 
a lot of the plotting and the pacing of it was really strong um, in season one and season two. All those like twists and turns were um, felt really good and they never felt like too, too much. Well, I mean, I guess like if you're if you want to just make something that's like it's really soapy, but like I think that's a I think that's a strong point. I don't think that's like a that's a that's not a knock on it for me. Honestly, really and truly, I loved everything on the show except the incest. <laughs> same. I, same. <laughs> like cinematography, great. Acting, great. Direction, great. Costuming, perfection. A feast for the eyes. Uh, the gossip, living for it. The tea, always served hot. Like, I really didn't have a problem with anything except this. <laughs> And then you throw, and I'm like, whoa, 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 stop. This is literally like when you're on a really amazing roller coaster and it gets stuck at the top. <laughs> You'd be like, what? <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. Not this. Not this. Not this. Oh, um, but yeah, you guys are making the audience feel very questionable because did the writers stop to think what sort of people would be rooting for the couple? That's for Lucrezia and and Sesha as a couple, who roots for them? Right, not who your not them? your demographic, not your target demographic. We're not right. rooting for that. I'm not rooting for it. Not the people that you want watching the show. I don't know. have it folks this is everything that we think made the borgias good bad basic and sinfully scandalous if you'd like to check out this series the borgias is currently streaming on netflix if you've enjoyed this episode of the good the bad the basic be sure to share it with your friends tune in next week as we keep the historical drama season going with a recap of the sexy and intense british historical drama the white queen the white queen is currently streaming on stars and on hulu premium so be sure to get into this series or go refresh your memory. You don't want to miss out this conversation. The Good, the Bad, the Basic is currently streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune in to our regular episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut first. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone. Mm-hmm.